Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and over there in that bubbling cauldron of hideous laughter is my co-host, Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another show. We got a book announcement, so that makes this show just super special. Lots so of so much stuff to, talk to talk about. Look at those yeah. notes over there that we put up. <laughs> it's yeah, lots of notes. So much stuff. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, we'll we'll dive into it. But uh, yeah. so you know, Monday. Uh, well, we should say Friday. Last Friday, Wizards of the Coast uh, teased a little like laughing thing. We played it on the show. It was, it was just kind of weird. We well, the internet kind of deduced this, and I. Thank you, Internet. Um, and we took that and we kind of deduced that it was Igwilv, a.k.a. Tasha. She go, she used to go by Tasha. Now she goes by Igwilv. And uh, she is a, a huge wizard in the Greyhawk lore with like Morden Kanan and things like that. She's a villain. Mm -hmm. And uh, she created Tasha's Hideous Laughter. And so we were like, oh, the new book's going to be about Tasha. The title of the book is Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, which is a throwback to Xanathar's Guide to Everything. But... I understand the of everything. I don't understand the cauldron. Like Tasha Ig Igwilv is not known for cauldrons. Um, unless right, somebody had like a- the witch something? She's the witch queen, yeah. I think that's the but the key. I was like, it should have been like Igwilv's codex of something. Like I thought it would, be, I don't know. She's famous for penning the Demonomicon, which is gonna be in the new book as a magic item, which is kind of cool. So, uh, mm -hmm. but- uh, I, the title of this show is Tasha's Cauldron of Game Changer, and uh, Zris in, in chat said that we should change it to Game Changing, which is is true. So uh, <laughs> I, I will try to update that as we hey, finish the episode. Here. Um, but uh, it is a optional set of rules, much like Xanathar's, but it's yeah. really going to change it a lot more than Xanathar's. Uh, Xanathar is really only, it, it gave us uh, subclasses, which was fun to have more options. Gave us some racial mm -hmm. feats, which was fun to have more options. Um, and then it tried to fix the ranger. And so that's why everybody plays Gloomstalker because there is no other ranger to play that is not, you know, unless you're doing something else. Uh, but it tried to fix that. And then there were some other Dungeon Master stuff as well. This is a very similar book. It's going to have a bunch of subclasses, some new ways to recalculate races and things like that. And it's also going to have uh, some Dungeon Master stuff. So it's kind of like, it's 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 Xanathar's 2 Electric Boogaloo, which is also a really good title. Uh, hire me, Wizards of the Coast. Um, so we're gonna go through and kind of talk about all the stuff in it and our opinions on it. But uh, I think we're both really excited because it's just a really, it sounds like a really cool book, right? I mean, are yeah. you excited? Well our most exciting books have always been the ones that give us more character options. So if we're going to get a bunch of class options, we're going to get new spells. We're going to get new, we got a whole list we're going to go over here and we'll talk about, but it's like, those are the type of books that I think that gets the entire hobby excited because not only does the DM want them, not only the, the new the player want them, but even players just coming in. If you want to say uh, you want to keep it simple for yourself and do like player's handbook plus one, you know, to make it a little easier on yourself so you're not going crazy with all the other options out there for your players, that might help them out. But if they're veteran players, they want options more than anything they could possibly want. So to give us all of a sudden all these new options that we know came from UA articles that me and you have talked about, yeah. you know, analyzed and looked at and, and filled out surveys to give feedback and all that stuff, we know it's now coming to us. That's just great. I mean, we just love that. Um, I'm excited for it. Uh, Xanathar's was one of my favorite books by far after 
you mm-hmm. know, the original set coming out because it added options. I'm sure this is going to be right up there at the top. Yeah, and uh, I think a lot of people have kind of speculated that this is going to be D&D 5.5. Um, we're, we're at a... I don't think 5th edition is dying by any means, uh, mm-hmm. but it needs a shakeup. And I think this is the shakeup. We're going to still have the same core rules, but they're they're probably going to uh, change the Beastmaster Ranger a little bit. Uh, they're changing how summoning works a little bit and things like that. They're changing uh, just a few little key things, and they're de uh, they're they're untying uh, the physical stats from races. So I could be a dwarf that has a plus two con and a plus one intelligence rather than wisdom or something based on how and where you grew up and things like that. So uh, it's it's kind of cool. And I think that's going to be huge because a lot of times, uh, I mean, Wizards of the Coast has been printing races like crazy. Like we have more races in this game than I think anything else because they're easy. You just kind of give like, hey, you got a long yeah, sword proficiency and a couple of this. Yeah. 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 Um, now players will have that option to the point where they could make their own races. You know, like I want to be like a dwarf. Well, I'm going to pick these things and it's going to be balanced because I picked these these things. And whether that's going to be like a point, uh, I, I'm wondering, uh, some speculation was that it was going to be like points. Like dark vision costs five points and this costs three points and you kind of add up. So you could have two five point things or you could have five two point things or something. So uh, we'll see how balanced it is. I'm sure they're they're making lots of educated uh, uh, design, so I think it's going to be fine. But um, book is Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Comes out November 17th. Has a beautiful alt yeah. cover that I... Both covers this, look good. I both thought. covers both, look very good. Both are... Sometimes that's not always true with these books. Correct. Like, in some, you look at one, and you're like, eh, I really want the other one versus the one. But these have two good possible covers for you to get. So. I actually want the alt cover both. as a printout. <laughs> Like, I yeah. want the cover as, like, something on my art. wall. I'd yeah, like the art. the artwork. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I really like it. I thought that was really cool. And you've got uh, mm-hmm. Gra- Grazit, or Grazit. I always say his name wrong. But he's a, a demon uh, prince that had uh, uh, relations and uh, mm-hmm. knows of, uh, of Igwilv, of Tasha. Um, it's 192 pages in four chapters. Uh, we're getting 22 brand new subclasses and then five reprinted ones. And uh, this is kind of cool because... Wizards has, uh, you know, like here's here's a uh, Ravnica, here's uh, Heroes of or yeah Theros and things like that, and they have these other little books here and there, and then uh, they will consolidate them. Like here's all the here's the player stuff that you wanted from these in this, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what this book feels like. A lot of the books that they've printed you as a dungeon master could go through and pick and choose the things you want and, and help it in your world. But this kind of consolidates the player options for, uh, I don't necessarily have to buy all those books because I wanted one or two things and I can just do this. If I'm not going to run a Ravnica game, there's really no reason in buying that. However, boy, that like system of whatever, of, uh, of that points, you know, be nice is really cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm more familiar with Theros cause it's just came out recently, but like the God mm. piety system and things like that. That's a really cool system, but I'm not going to play in Theros. It would be cool if that was transitioned to another thing, and and that's kind of what uh, a lot of this is. Even though that's a bad example because the piety system isn't in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, but we'll get to that. Uh, mm-hmm. The reprints are Order of Domain Cleric, Circle of Spores Druid, College of Eloquence Bard, Oath of Glory Paladin, and surprisingly, the Blade Singing Wizard, which I thought was really interesting uh, because that I is a if very it's remain an elf one. 
I don't think it is. I think it's going to be, it already said in Sword Coast Adventures Guide that the blade singing wizard is elf or half elf only in the Forgotten Realms, unless your dungeon master says, hey, yeah, you could like be another whatever. So uh, when Mm -hmm. my player Ted took it for Rod of Seven Parts, I did say like, I really think you need to be a wizard or uh, you need to be a wizard. You need to be an elf or a half elf specifically because I'm running a Forgotten Realms game. And he was like, oh, that's fine. So, uh, yeah. Um, I wonder, do you think any of these are going to get updated? They kind of hinted in a Dragon Plus article that the Blade Singing Wizard was going to get updated. Uh, it's, it's not the most fun, and it's kind of like trying to be a melee wizard, but really, if you play it at higher levels, you're better off just being a wizard and staying in the back mm-hmm. and hucking fireball and stuff. So you, you miss out on a lot of the whole, like, zipping into battle with with your sword uh and i'm wondering if they're going to update it and if that's going to retro update stuff like but everyone i played was super strong in the early game oh very strong end game game. they were super strong yeah because they were able to jack their acs up so high and Mm -hmm. they were they were shielding this and shielding that and it was it was a really solid class early on at least up to the level 10 but i would be interested to see i think they i think they would want to update some of that stuff um, because it wouldn't invalidate any book except um, the, the the book that nobody really buys and you can't really go to the store and get very often the adventurer's guide. I mean, that's kind of a hard one to find. You can find the PDF quite a bit, but going back and trying to find that book to get that subclass the Sword Coast out of there is pretty guide? tough. Yeah, yeah they're that, not they're not, not reprinting sitting it. Sitting on the so shelf. Yeah, it's, on, so. it's on Amazon, I'll say that, uh, but everything's on Amazon. Um, but you're right. Like my local game store doesn't have a copy of it. Um, and, 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 and that wasn't the best source book. They really should for, for forgotten realms being their main campaign setting. That was not the best fifth edition book, uh, which was kind of funny, but so I don't know. And same with circle of spores. I liked circle of spores a lot in the Mm -hmm. UA when it Mm -hmm. was printed. I did not like it at all. Uh, it was way too many dice rolls to make make the zombies work. It was made. It was just a lot of saves to see if you're taking the full damage or the half damage on just like a melee attack. Uh, and if I'm remembering correctly, there was something about like they had to save you because you used to use your reaction to do damage, and then all of a sudden you use your reaction, and now they have to roll a save. And it just it didn't work as fluidly as it did before. But I understand that they probably did that to make it a little more balanced. Uh, that being said, I wonder if they're going to update it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the five reprinted subclasses. Kind of cool that we're getting these older ones, especially the Blade Singing Wizard. A little odd well, that they didn't the put the... Yeah, well, I thought it was odd that they didn't put the... Uh, no. There's other subclasses in... Um, other uh, books. Well, in no. Sword Coast Adventures Guide, like the Swashbuckler made it into Xanathar's and some other things. But I think there was a... a a paladin a or a fighter? No, purple knight fighter. That's what it was. Oh, that's the only one that. And not. that has not been reprinted. So it's not the best subclass. I don't think anybody really talks about it because it's like whatever. But yeah. <laughs> um, and then the artificer. Yeah. Speaking of like re retaking things from older stuff, and they well, we said they're get going it from to Eberron and bring it over. Is, they're yeah, going to yeah. take the artificer and make it less Eberron. They're going to make yeah. it like more generic. And I I don't know. And I wonder if that's also going to get tweaks. Uh, because mm-hmm. if they're making it less generic, it's going to have less Eberron influence in it. And I don't know how that's going to work. So, yeah, well, it allowed players who are playing a game that's similar to Eberron. Maybe it's a steampunk. Maybe it's a technology plus magic based campaign world. 
but it's not Eberron. So they still can kind of fit that artificer in there. It still could have guns. It still could have mechanical contraptions mm. built by and powered by magical essence of some sort. So you still get that from a lot of different other campaign settings that you could use that yeah. match that. And now that that slides nicely in there. And I don't have to go buy that Eberron book to get that thing because it, Eberron is really its own campaign. And I don't know how many people are buying that book that don't run an Eberron campaign. Maybe people are because they wanted some of those extra things, but I'm guessing they're just buying it on D&D Beyond and not even getting the Eberron stuff. They're just buying it on D&D well, Beyond. But if I'll you're going to do this. it in book form, we need it the, reprinted. Yeah, the, the people that are buying Eberron books uh, for 5th edition, they, they're the ones actually who only need the Artificer. Like they need the artificer and the specific spells, but as far as lore, they're like my 3.5 collection of lore books yeah. is fine. I don't need mm -hmm. all this updated stuff uh, or reprinted stuff, I should say. Um, and uh, I was listening to a podcast just the other day that they were saying that they wished um, exploring Eberron, the Keith Baker supplement that just came out on DMs Guild. They wished that was the book that was rising from the last war because that had a lot of stuff to help run an Eberron game. It fleshed out new areas and things like that, um, as opposed to Rising from the Last War, which was kind of just a reprint with like a small little adventure that you could start. Uh, but you're right, I don't think a lot of people, a lot of people bought that because the Artificer is popular. It's it's really cool, like people like the Tinkerer magic guy, so it's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, there are a few that we know we're getting 100% uh, classes. The Genie Warlock, which I was not a fan mechanically of how it worked really, but I love the idea of a Genie Warlock. Yeah. Um, and specifically a Earth Genie Warlock a or a patron. Fire Genie Warlock. Yeah. Like, ah, that would be really That's cool. That's a very so. cool concept. And depending with. on how that turns out, that might be my next character because uh, mm -hmm. I was talking to a few other Dungeon Masters and they were like, they're like, yeah, this is really like invigorating me to either run or play in a game, you know, come November. And I'm like, I volunteer. I want to be in your game so I can be a genie warlock. Um, Very cool. All of the artificer uh, subclasses plus the mm -hmm. armorer are going to be in there with some yeah. new infusions. Uh, so they'll have new stuff. Uh, the Bard College of Creation mm -hmm. and the psionic mind sorcerer will be in it. Um, so I don't know if we're going to get full-on psionic rules or if it's that reflavoring that's going to happen. But And then uh, this isn't a new like subclass, but I think they're trying to fix the Beastmaster Ranger. So they're going to put three Primal Beast companions in the book that Beastmaster Rangers can pick from. And I think that that's just a, like, I don't know, here's a pet that's a little more hardier than some of the other pets that, oh, just the generic, like, you know, CR one half beast that you could pick earlier. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, are you, I don't know, are you going to play a psionic mind sorcerer pretty soon? Is that what you're thinking? You know, I still need to play a sorcerer in a game. I love the idea of sorcerer, but I also love the idea of like a wild magic sorcerer. There's so many good, awesome sorcerers. And I want to play a dragonborn because I've, I've been dying to play a good mm -hmm. dragon, a long term dragonborn sorcerer of some sort. But yeah, all these classes. I mean, and, and Artificer Armor, so I can maybe do an Iron Man class, you know, um, a Genie Warlock is super I cool. do want to do an Iron Man one. Like, reading the UA of that armor was just like, oh, man, that's so cool. Yeah. Like, your battle armor on you. It's kind of I'm still probably lukewarm on playing any bards at this point. Of, of all the classes that I'm probably just are at the bottom of my list is probably bard. But Warlocks are at the top of my list. Um, 
I'm playing right now what I think is one of the best Rangers out there, and it's called the uh, Arcane Archer Fighter. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. The playing it that way and going heavy archery and going in with a, a cool magic bow and, mm-hmm. and doing some cool stuff. I really feel like a, um, a hard hitting archery person at this point, which is really cool. But I also didn't play a ton up of being the, the wilderness survivalist or, or tracking. Yeah. Like I, I kind of downplayed that um, for the character just to, as something different to do, but I think it's cool. I never, we've discussed, I don't know how many times Ranger, whether we think it was broken, it's not broken. We know what the perception is versus the reality. Cause we've had players mm-hmm. in our games who played very successful Rangers, beast master Rangers and had no problem. You know, they, they love playing the class. They didn't have the problem that, you know, the, the perception is that it's completely broken. It's just, I think it's not quite great, but I don't think it's totally broken, but I think it's cool that you get the primal beast because I think they level up better. And I think this book covers a gap they had. And the gap they had was summoning things to fight with you. Yeah. Like if you just broke it down to the most basic thing, they had, there's so many people out there that love the different books or animes or shows or, or stories they're reading and watching that have this cool idea of something that's a pet that fights them. And whether it's Star Wars and R2-D2 or it's, you know, you know, I, I was just watching, um, uh, dark materials on HBO with my wife because it's just a fun show we could watch. You know, a giant armored bear that can run around with a girl. I mean, that's just like a, a cool concept. Why can't we have that in a D&D or why can't we bring some of that stuff in? I feel like they're starting to fill that hole in that they had there where they didn't have a great summoning version of stuff. Maybe I have this cool dark spirit that fights with me, or maybe my shadow pops out and fights with me, or maybe, you know, maybe I have these cool pack of wolves that fight with me, or I have these spirits or these mechanical beasts or these Modrons that go crazy or turrets and things. And so I think it's cool. That's what I really like about it. 22 classes is a lot. That's a lot of new options for a new player to come in and go, if you're a dungeon master and you're like, hey, I can't wait to show you Dungeons and Dragons. Here, I bought all this stuff on D&D Beyond to make it easy for you, right? Here, pick from these new 22 subclasses, 12, or we up to 13 with Artificer, 13 main classes with four to five subclasses per one. Boy, we're really starting to get to that 3.5 bloat for sure. And I love it. I love those options. But I wonder what the new player's thinking right now. I wonder what the person coming in with all of these books that are out there and all of these options and all of this stuff. I how are and they that was feeling? that was a that's a fear. Like, uh, yeah, how are they? But feeling about I think it? if you're uh, uh, if you're smart about it and you're like, oh, you're new, let's just play PHB, you know. And yeah. I I go back to my good friend. Uh, I have a good friend named Steven, and he included me in a game. And I and he's like, make whatever character you want. I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm like pulling stuff from Xanathars and doing all this other stuff. And I'm asking him about magic items. And he's just like, well, I just have the player's handbook. And he was running a, a game with just that in the monster manual. Um, and so he's like, if you could stick to that, just so I understand what you're doing. And so there are a lot of people that play just base D&D or base 5th edition D&D and I think it's smart that Wizards of the Coast set it up like that like you Mm -hmm. you need just these books here's all the optional stuff uh how do you think this is going to change Adventure League like right now Adventure League is PHB plus one I think they're gonna stay with it are you gonna are you gonna plus one uh Tasha's and then be able to change your race and all this other stuff but you don't have the spells from 
uh, Xanathar's Guide. Like, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think to keep it easier on their dungeon masters, I would imagine they would keep it at plus one because if they if they the whole reason they had it in there was to limit going crazy, I assume. Um, and that some of that stuff is maybe not as balanced if it's coming from different areas, but you could always take certain things. So I don't know how, how, where that whole decision came from of the plus one. It only made sense in my head if you were trying to limit the number of options that a player might have. So I would assume that would still be valid. Although I think I'm betting they're looking at Adventure League and maybe looking for a true revamp at some point because they've done some pretty significant changes between like season seven and eight and nine. There was a lot of big swings in there and it felt to me like they were swinging big, swinging for the fences because they're still looking for a system that works because they haven't landed on one that works great. Mm -hmm. The Pathfinder Society, they seem to have landed on theirs because theirs is huge and popular and yeah. people play a lot of that stuff and it feels like they must have have their they've gotten theirs down pretty good. I don't know. I haven't played it. It's just somebody who's looking at it from the outside. But I feel like the D&D one in the last couple of seasons they made such big changes it led me to think that they're still looking for what they think their adventure league should be and I think mm-hmm. it's evolving in real time mm-hmm. slow real time because it's been over a couple of years but it's like real time it's it's shifting and moving and changing so I don't know. I'm excited because, I mean, we put in here, like, um, I saw some new spells that were going to be coming along. There was new feats. They were talking about the, um, I noticed you put in there the lineage system. Mm -hmm. I mean. No, the new feats are, yeah, like, uh, I was thinking about the feats because, actually, what you were saying earlier about the ranger made me think of this. And I think we talked about this earlier, but you're playing an arcane archer. Mm -hmm. And then if you took some of those ranger specific feats. Uh, that like survivalist feat and stuff that was in the Unearthed Arcana that will probably be in here. And we talked about that. So that's going to be a way to multi-class without actually multi-classing. You, yeah. You're almost a better ranger if you're an arcane archer taking that stuff. So, uh, it, and then going back to the Primal Beast companions that you're going to, they're, they're going to have these three new Primal Beast companions, which is probably going to be like a, a defensive one, an offensive one, and mm-hmm. like a support one, I'm assuming. Um, but traditionally how the Beastmaster would work is if your, you know, badger died, you would go into the woods, uh, find a new pet, come back with it and be like, I got a new pet. Um, but that doesn't work if you're in a dungeon, that doesn't Mm -hmm. work if you're in an area that doesn't have that, that doesn't work if you're underwater a lot. I don't, well, maybe it could work when you're underwater. Uh, but do you get my point? Like it wasn't really thought out the, the Beastmaster almost needs a, summonable thing that can be flavored as I go into the woods and come back with a beast kind of a thing. And I think that's what they're going to do with this, this primal beast companion that they're. they're Yeah. And they always muddied the waters a little bit. Jeremy, I I love Jeremy and I love the way his mind thinks about the rules and the setting, but he would always muddy the waters in my mind a little bit because he would say things like, well, anybody could, could have a pet in your game. If you made it apparent to your DM that you've wanted nothing more in life, but to, have a pet displacer beast and you're going to search and search and search until you find a puppy displacer beast or a kitten displacer beast. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're going to try to raise it and raise it great. And it's going to become your cool companion for this whole campaign. And that's, that's your identity. Nothing said you had to be Ranger to do that, right? Yeah. You could be anything you want to do. And as long as your DM said, okay, here's all the obstacles in front of you to do that. But 
it's possible. This is a world of magic and coolness. Mm -hmm. So it, it could happen. I always felt the ranger was that way too, because they had a pet that was given to them. But technically as a dungeon master, you could have made them just as cool if you said, hey, you just found a baby owl bear in the woods and the ranger, you then all of a sudden it grows up in a year or two. And now he, that ranger has a cool owl bear mm-hmm. and you didn't have to stick to the, just pick a CR one, you know, CR yeah. one half or whatever. I always thought that was the part that broke it. That part made you think you couldn't do anything cooler than those low level beasts. And I feel like we need a, a better list because I played the ranger and I liked it. I There needs to be a better list after CR like four or five of more beasts that you can pick. Yeah. Because as you could go up higher and higher and higher, the, the, the list of what's there gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Of You know, and that's another, cool beasts. that's another problem. Uh, we'll get into this later, but I I'm playing a conjuration wizard and I took a uh, conjure yeah. elemental and yeah, I can do a fire elemental and air elemental. I can conjure all of these. And the spell says at higher levels, you can summon, uh, if you cast the spell at higher levels, you can summon more powerful uh, yeah. elementals. Well, at sixth level, I can do a CR six monster, um, mm-hmm. but the only elemental available is invisible stalker. And then past yeah. that, there's nothing. So if I cast this at seventh level, it's like, well, there was no, there's no, you know, and so it doesn't scale, which comes full circle to these summon spirits that they're going to come out with. And you can have an undead yeah. spirit and you can have this other spirit. And so I, th- I wonder if the necromancer is yeah. going to change drastically. And if like conjuration wizards are going to change drastically. I think it sounded like you could upcast those. To exactly. Make them even more powerful. Yes. So that's the key. And that's, that's the key. The yeah. Thing. yeah. Yeah. So if I want to cast it at, my max level seventh level spell slot, the highest spell slot I have at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Then my spirit has extra attack and hit points and defense and stuff. And so there's a reason I'm putting more magic into this creature that I have summoned. It is now more, it's stronger. Uh, and, and that's huge because then the spell is not obsolete. And yeah. I wanted that for find familiar. Like if I use a spell slot to cast find familiar, I wanted a big, strong familiar. And maybe it only lasts an hour like that. Um, and then it puffs back to its original size and you're like, okay, sit on my shoulder familiar. But I liked mm-hmm. that idea of like, mm-hmm. I could, you know, juice my familiar for a fight or something. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah, but. Yeah. And and then it brings in the other piece that's absolutely important for it is you get to flavor what it looks like. Because yeah. now if you're summoning something and it's a spirit based of that, but it can still look as real as anything else can, it could take physical form you get the thing you want. So if you wanted this cool polar bear with armor on that was, you know, a nine foot bear, it didn't really matter because you, you got kind of what you wanted with with that. And if you liked yours was, you know, I, I just, I love the idea that we get to choose. You get to choose what it looks like because that's what we want in our character mm-hmm. um, description. We want to be able to have that cool moment of describing this thing that we're bringing that's going to come help and fight with us. So I'm glad it's there. I think that's the big hole they were missing that I'm glad they're kind of filling in for sure that we definitely needed. Just fixing summoning stuff was really cool, but we're yeah. getting stuff from other books that like, if you're not buying those campaign books, when you're bringing them in, like you were talking about, I think they're bringing in group patrons from Eberron and you were yeah. talking about, you know, um, just kind of getting that other stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought something over from the Aki Inc book or they brought something over from Theros. So they brought something over from those other ones. I thought it would be really interesting. And they, in the, D&D page they talk about races where you kind of brought that up a little bit and they talked about an alternate way 
to decide racial modifiers, but they didn't go into detail on the, the page description, but it's definitely there. So there's some optional rule they're giving us that says, okay, I get to pick to be, I, I want to be a lizard man, which sounds kind of cool. I can, I can look any way I want, but maybe I'm a lizard man that gave me a plus one to strength and maybe I get a plus something or, or maybe it's going to be like the variant human where you just get plus one in everything or you take plus one and two items and then you get a feat. Because mm -hmm. I think if that was the rule for every single race, I think everybody would be happy, right? Because either you get the plus one to everything and you're just, you know, it's pretty good. Plus one to stats is huge. Or I take the just the plus two somewhere, but I get that starting feat at first level. You cover all the bases then for everybody that wants to create their characters. Well, you got the people that need feats to make their character. And then the why, I, I guess stats. my point is with that, is uh, the the power gamers are the problem with that because uh, if if that is the same, then my human doesn't have dark vision. Why would I ever play a human unless I could do a variant human to get that feat? And when I could play mm -hmm. a lizard man and literally have the same things, but I could have dark vision, hold my breath for thirty minutes, you know, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what they're changing. Is is kind of like if I want to be a human that was raised by elves. I don't have dark vision necessarily, but I do have uh, extra magic. I do have uh, longbow proficiency, things like that, that you don't get as a human unless you take some kind of variant. So, uh, but no, you're right. I, I you know, people that. would be happy with that, but I don't know how, how does that affect the game as a whole? Yeah, yeah. Well, if yeah. dark vision was a huge thing for them, we wouldn't have, I think the majority of characters still made are human because people want that feat that Correct. starts yeah. out in the beginning. So you're almost kind of, that one thing is driving what a lot of people are building. They want that so much, they're willing to give up all this other stuff. And I don't know if that's, why not just give them that? Like, because you've talked about it. Why not give everybody a feat right in the beginning just to play? So you get more feats in the game, you get more No, more I think stuff. my new I rule is going to be a feat at first level, no matter who you are, what you're doing. Uh, no yeah. variant humans. I'm just going to take that out. Like, you can play a regular <laughs> human, get a feat. Um, and then uh, a feat at eighth level. And I think having that would mix up the game a bunch, but, um, yeah. so yeah, there's, uh, spells, new magic items, uh, magical tattoos that you can get, which is, you know, really cool. Uh, they're going to have magic items for specific classes, which is really Class -based cool. Um, You're talking about group patrons. For those of you who don't know about group patrons, uh, it's, it's a, it's not like a God, but it could be a God. Um, it's mm -hmm. like, a uh, the, you as a collective group, you as an adventuring party, are hired by um, a dragon or a crime syndicate or like the military. And then working for them, you get specific like boons and stuff as a group. Uh, and that's a very Eberron thing. They have a bunch of, of, you know, like I work for this university or I do work for this religious order. And, uh, and that's fun. So you guys have a purpose. Acquisitions Incorporated was very much this. That book was you work for Acquisitions Inc. And then you get special things because you work with them as you level up in that, in that, that group. So uh, this was a something released in Eberron that will, will be really cool for just general patrons all around. It's just good dungeon master advice kind of a thing, you know? Um, it makes me wonder, you were saying like, I don't know if Eberron's going to, or if Acquisitions Incorporated stuff will be worked into this book. And I, I don't know either. Uh, I'm surprised. Well, I should say, I'm surprised they're reprinting some of the uh, Theros stuff. I think some of those subclasses are getting in here because that's such a new book. Um, but 
a lot of these, like Ravnica, yeah, print the Spore Druid. You're probably not selling a lot of Ravnica books at this point. So we can like re yeah, reuse that material. But so <laughs> I love I that know. book. Love it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, sidekicks, supernatural environments, um, natural hazards. They want to, they're putting in some type of rules for a parley system. I saw mm -hmm. they listed on their webpage. So I didn't know what that meant. And they said there was going to be a section or, or seemed like there'd be a section on setting up your session zero stuff. So it sounds like that's the DM portion of it. Like the subclasses are for the players for the most yeah. part, new magic items for your dungeon masters to give to the players. Um, a lot of that stuff is going to be player based, but we still need more stuff for the DM so that they can run really fun and cool games. And the sidekicks, it sounds like it's even more expanded than the, um, that came out in the essentials kit, mm -hmm. right? Because that's where we saw it first, but it seems like it's expanded out from there. And that looks, that sounds very interesting to me because that almost sounds like playing a character from a stat block, which is a much more condensed character sheet than a full blown character sheet. Like we run most of the time now. Yeah. Um, but we as dungeon masters know you can play a, a pretty awesome character with just a stat block. You don't need necessarily, we, we've made, I've made some really great NPCs that have been dynamic and super cool and their stat block is super small and super easy to use and interact with. So I think that's an interesting thing to be adding into the game too, because it sounds like players can pick that to play. Like they're yeah, allowed it, to play those if they want. It feels, uh, this is the scenario it feels like to me is it's, it's game night. Your mm -hmm. best friend from college knocks on the door. Hey, surprise visit. And you're like, oh, yeah. but I've got this D&D &D game. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I like surprise visit you. Hey, do you want to play in it tonight? And you don't have to make a whole character. You could just hand them this sidekick sheet and be like, they picked you up. They're paying you 10 gold. You're going to go help them. And he doesn't know anything about D&D, &D, but he can still sit down at the table and he's got simplified rules, a simplified character sheet that allows him to play. And then, oh, surprise, I really like it. Hey, we actually play online on Fridays. And then he joins and, and you, you know, yeah. makes an actual character or something like that. And so, uh, uh, or your, your kid brother who really wants to play at the table, but he doesn't really understand. And so it's like, yes, just mm -hmm. roll the die, add this. Thank you. Uh, so psychic seems really cool. You had a guest yeah. on your show, not recent, not too recently. And did she create a full on character sheet or did you just give her a stat block to use? No, she was a succubus. So she, I was like, you're playing this monster. So I just gave her yeah, the monster. Yeah. So here's the yeah. stat block. Yeah. yeah. And you can do a lot of cool, fun things with that. Yeah, know? it was fun. Yeah. yeah. So she was a monster. It was fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I've done that before too, actually with like home games where people visit and I'm like, you're guard number seven and you just give them yeah. like a, a guard thing and so I love guard number yeah. seven. I mean, six <laughs> is usually a little grumpier, but seven is so seven fun was us uh, just choice. And then, uh, <laughs> last but not least, there's gonna be puzzles in there. So, uh, you know, and we probably haven't covered everything. There's lots of mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, yeah, they're removing like negative modifiers from monster races. Lots, lots of updates. Uh, in quality of life improvements, I think a lot of a lot of dungeon masters, I think, were kind of like, well, um, Actually, I have a perfect example. It reminds me of uh, the Triton not having dark vision. And everyone was complaining that the Triton, how do you live at the bottom of the ocean and you not have dark vision? And I didn't feel comfortable just giving a player dark vision because the book said that I couldn't. Like, you know, I'm like, I feel like the designers were like, you don't have dark vision for a reason. And then they, they did it with an errata and said, no, Tritons have dark mm -hmm. vision now. Uh, well, in, in uh, there's reality, a lot of dark vision doesn't work underwater. 
I don't know what everybody thinks. Those creatures that are seeing things underwater are using other senses oh, besides vision. <laughs> uh, but case in point yeah. is like, th this book is probably, a, there's a lot of dungeon masters that are like, no, if you want to switch your racial stats, that's fine. If you want to do this. And uh, what's good about this is this book says it's okay to do that. Um, and so going forward, I think a lot of a lot, just decoupling things and allowing you to build the character you kind of want to build. Uh, again, you're going to get overwhelmed with options if you are a brand new player, but yeah. the correct DM will use sidekicks and introduce job. little things here and there. And that's the point. Yeah. Because yeah. Pathfinder is the job. same way. If you gave me everything in Pathfinder, I'd be like, Ugh, I need I need a I need a, a, a fighter a thief and a wizard. Give me those three and I will pick from one of them because this is yeah. like way, you know, there's a lot there. So, and that's what well, people and now, now that I say that, I keep, I keep, in my mind, I always go back to the old version of the dungeon master's job is to bring the new player in. But there's plenty of new dungeon masters out there that have got their, get, their group together for the first time and they've heard about people playing and they've heard how fun they've had and maybe this is their first experience. So, I need to step back from that. It's not always the dungeon master's job to indoctrinate people in or to, to bring them in. I think we can have just as new of a dungeon master as you do a player. So I got to stop thinking that it's my, you know, it's our job or responsibility to be that person. We all need to work together to help each other out. So if you're a brand new group and you're a brand new dungeon master, maybe limiting options will help you so that you don't get overwhelmed very quickly of all the stuff that's going on, mm. but don't make, don't, it's not just on you to figure it all out. Like, that's what stops, I think, most groups from playing even is that the person who decides to be the dungeon master realize, oh, my God, there's so many books I have to read to know what's going on. Step back a little bit. You don't limit a little bit of what you're doing. Simplify. You're going to do a simple adventure. Only learn the rules that are relevant for that adventure and then add the things on as you get a little bit more comfortable and you get going. Don't feel like you have to go. You don't even have to open a Dungeon Master's Guide to run a D&D &D game. Like I thought that when I when, when I wanted to get into fifth edition. I went and ran and bought the DMG at the uh, Barnes and Nobles because I thought I was going to need it. And then there was nothing in there I needed to run six or seven sessions of my campaign that I had planned out. It was all in the player's handbook that I needed. That was everything was there that I needed. So get that player's handbook, start your adventure simple, stay simple at first, and then give your brand new players some, some options until you work into it. And then new players, help your new dungeon masters out. Be help them understand the rules. You learn some rules so that they don't have to learn all the rules. Well, like, I like the you learn the about Matt, grappling or whatever. I like the Matt Colville approach where people would be like, well, Matt, how does this work? And he's like, it's your character. I don't know. Like I'm focused you on the monsters. <laughs> you, you yeah. tell him like, how does cure <laughs> yeah. wounds work? Let's look it up. Why aren't you looking it up? Like, yeah. it's not, I, I don't like know. That. And so I was like, no, I, and I've done that a lot where I'm like, it's your, it's your, it's your job. You got to tell me what you do. You got to know your um, rules. Yeah. To uh, accompany this, uh, we're going D&D &D celebration. They're going to do an mm -hmm. online thing again, uh, much like uh, the D&D &D live event, uh, but this time with streamers instead of celebrities. So that's cool. Um, and uh, there'll it's, be celebrities. There will, yeah. But <laughs> anyway, it's September 18th through the 20th, and they're going to do so an online thing. Uh, well, yeah, but that's the release of Icewind Dale. So I think it's yeah. like this Icewind Dale release slash uh, that. And it's not a month before because this comes out November 17th, not October. So two months before. Oh, two months. Yeah, yeah. I had that wrong. Good, but good I think math, it's because Jordan. of uh, the Icewind Dale coming out that they're going to do that. Um, 
I thought this was interesting. PAX uh, Penny Arcade Expo, they're doing an online thing as well because of COVID. And theirs mm-hmm. is September 12th through the 20th. So they're doing nine days of, of fun uh, or eight days of fun. And uh, D&D is doing two days of fun. Um, but they're overlapping the last two days. And uh, PAX, of course, Wizards of the Coast has always had a big uh, presence at all of the PAXs um, with their acquisitions, incorporated games and things like that. So uh, I don't know. It was kind of, I wonder if they talk to each other about this. They must have. Maybe they're planning something together. Maybe I don't it is know. combined somehow. Maybe they are. It really doesn't say online that it's they're, they're combined at all. But uh, I wonder if, uh, I don't know, you know, well, hey, we're going to Well, you didn't do this, any Gen so. Con online stuff. I did. Are you going to try to do any D&D celebration oh, online stuff? You know, you I should. Are you going to do any PAX online stuff, Jordan? I should. Oh, actually, I signed, I, so I applied for a PAX media badge um, oh, for the nice. online event. And I don't know if I'll get it. I've never done it before. They kind of, they look at your channel, I guess, and stuff. I'm surprised anything for the badge. Uh, it's online. But I... I, I will get access and early information to do stuff if they accept it. We'll see if they do. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, put it in your calendars. It's coming up uh, next month. It is already the end of August. So this is two weeks away, three weeks away. So yeah, uh, yeah that'll be a lot of fun. Um, we have 20 minutes left. What, yeah. what would you, should we just hit all of these or do you want to uh, sure, talk about no, something specific beforehand? You're good? I'm okay. Good. Good to keep oh, wait. going. We got I'm not good. Minutes. I don't have my sound effect ready. Oh, um, you're stalling so, is what you're really doing then. I don't uh, have my button. I'm ready. Just Last stalling. Week I wasn't. Hey, everybody. We're going to get into our next part of the show called Bardic Inspiration. Oh, so exciting. Nicely so done. exciting. Nicely done. Ladies and gentlemen, Nicely welcome done. to Bardic Inspiration. Um, so actually, let us know in the comments below if you're going to pick up this book. If you, if you don't think this book is for you, uh, do you want uh, your dwarves is there to be dwarves? Missing? That was want, the question I wanted before yeah. we jumped off. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Do you think ahead. there's anything missing? Because that's a lot of cool stuff. We yeah. have to be excited. Is there anything you thought, man, I, I thought they were going to do this, but they didn't? Because you last week, if you watched last week's show, you thought a planer book was coming or you thought this other stuff was coming. This is the one we got. So is there well, anything missing? So uh, their, their lore books have always mm-hmm. been wrapped up with monsters. Um. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, seeing this, this very much makes sense that they're not putting a planner lore book out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder if they're going to keep doing Ravnica or Magic the Gathering settings, um, yeah. or if they're going to break off because, okay, if they introduce psionics, they can now do a Dark Sun book referencing the psionics in this book to allow you to play a dark sun game. Mm -hmm. Um, If uh, same with planner travel, Um, they now have stuff for whatever they can reference that they can make a planescape book and that planescape book can have monsters and maybe one new subclass, probably not who cares, but like, they're going to have monsters, they're going to have the lore, and they're going to have some new mechanic that allows you to, you know, go here and there. Spelljammer, same thing. So uh, I wonder if this is the stepping stone to actually printing those out, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm I don't, pr- to answer your question, I don't think anything's missing. Uh, I think okay. there are things that I want from Dungeons and Dragons that, uh, it doesn't necessarily make sense after reading what's in this book that I'm like, oh, well, of course they're not going to put this in this book. 
This book is yeah. kind of 5.5. We're going to fix some things. We're going to add the things people have wanted uh, mechanically for characters. Uh, and then, you know what? This Eberron pa like, patron thing was cool. We'll throw that in there. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll do that. And so that's what it feels like. So. I think it's missing Spelljammer. <laughs> I really wanted more Spelljammer. I want them to jump onto that bandwagon because everybody always gets in their channel and, and says, we want more Spelljammer. I can't believe, as a joke to them, they keep not giving us Spelljammer when it's obviously so popular. Um, I, How I many people do cool. you know play Spelljammer games? I, no, I think everybody's ready to play it if they put the book out every campaign would be spell jam. But like right now. the lore is there. Like there were people playing know, fifth edition Eberron games before rising from the last won. war came out. I want, you should play a spell jammer game without right. that. And then all of a sudden your stream blows up and well, people want, are like, what? I better print an Eberron yeah. book. I'm wizards I of the coast. That's my impression. In depth ship stats and artwork and well the artwork would be nice but you buy ghosts yeah. of salt marsh and you use those ships and stats yeah. and you could start an eberron game more creatures and yeah, yeah I'm i still don't know after rod of seven parts i'm like do i take him to space and do an eberron game or you go up to uh, north. no i want to do the planner and do the great oh, modron yeah. march so uh too. part of me i i like this gimmick of let's play older adventures that are really like like the Great Modron March, everybody knows that kind of a thing. And not everybody does, but it's like, it was a really popular Planescape adventure. And I'm like, why don't we, why don't I just do that? And then my players can keep playing. And, uh, or like, this was a really popular Spelljammer adventure. I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I would love a Planes book. I'm with you there. I want my Spelljammer, then I want my Planes book, I guess okay. is the one I want. I want. I want ways to move around and cool ship artwork and cool ways to travel and, and, why we travel and what's happening and ship to ship battles and all that stuff. Cause we kind of got a little bit of that with um, salt marsh a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. So we could have, we were ready to really open up the vehicle rules at that point. And then we could have a cool planer book that lets us go anywhere. All those cool planes that are out there and all the cool, I mean, there's so many things to explore. I can't wait till we get out there, but we've been stuck on sword coast for so long. I love sword coast, but I'm ready for them to do something official in the same Forgotten Realms world that's not Sword Coast, right? I want to see somewhere else. I guess the Dales, if you, Icewind Dale, I guess you could, but that's still kind of considered Sword Coast, right? I mean, that's yeah. not yeah. that far off of Sword Coast, so. And Chult um, is at the bottom of it. That's yeah. not that far off. So. I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to make a prediction that, that Icewind Dale is their last uh, Sword Forgotten Coast Realm. adventure. Ooh. Maybe their last Forgotten Realms adventure for a little bit. And then I think maybe yeah. we'll get some like, maybe some generic ones. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Tie-ins, campaigns because, from other franchise. Because you could say, hey, um, we're going to make this campaign. And uh, I, I should go back. So you're new to D&D. &D, you want to play uh, a, a game. Hey, Tyranny of Dragons. Oh, look, there's this whole world, but we'll only explain this section of it so that you can go through and understand all of that. Um, and it's like, oh, okay, great. And I know the gods and I know all of this in Sword Coast, perfect. Uh, new, that's for new gamers, you know, they've established that. They've got five, six years of, of running D&D. Here, here are the Forgotten Realms adventures. Now mm -hmm. our next adventure should really be blah, 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 blah. But I feel that uh, they had to go with Icewind Dale. They had to go with Baldur's Gate 
to help the video game franchises that are tied to those. So. <laughs> yeah, yep, that's true. <laughs> um, right. But Bardic Inspiration, where Back we talk to about Bardic Inspiration. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, where we talk about things that have inspired us uh, over the week uh, in the world of tabletop. Uh, what is what, what? You have an interesting one, and you've been playing a lot of games lately. So talk to us about your Bardic Inspiration, Lucian. Yeah, I think all of my uh, entertainment consumption has been based around MMO RPGs in some way. Like, because I've been reading books that are based on a story about somebody playing an MMORPG or somebody getting trapped in an MMORPG or something in that vein. And I've been watching animes that are doing that. I was watching some shows that are about that, about getting trapped in these other worlds that are all, but they're game based worlds. They're not fantasy worlds. They're not different worlds out in a multiverse. They're a specifically, you know, you're playing a game. You're looking at the stats. You know, somebody's programmed the game. There's an AI that's creating all these interactions, and you're surprised at how good that is. But you still know you're playing an MMO the whole time. And I just thought it would be fun to have a tabletop version of that ready to be able to play these fun MMOs that are out there and to be able to, because they have such... A lot of these MMOs, if you play them, they have gone in depth on their lore and their world building and the things they can do to set themselves apart from all the other people that are out there. So if you want to play, I mean, even just World of Warcraft, if you're going to play a tabletop version of World of Warcraft as it stands today, it would be very interesting to, to be able to build those classes. Well, don't they to have build that? out the spec trees? I don't know, like an official one. I think I've heard of like. I thought there was an official World of Warcraft. Maybe there was. Table RPG. But, was it but a, you're right. Like it's if people love the world and they want to play in yeah, that world. And yeah. Because that world has a huge lore and there's so many creatures you can pull in there. And there's so many adventures that you can places to go. And you can dive into them more in a, in a the reason I bring it up, they, you might say, well, just play the video game, right? Well, it's there. You have the class. You have everything. The one thing you can't do in the video game, though, is dive deeper. You can only do what they programmed in their little sandbox area. And if they put the wall borders on, you can't go past that, right? Mm. You can't do anything that they didn't program in. But a dungeon master, a dungeon master has the unique that can do can go as deep as they want anywhere the players want to go. And there can never be a fence that stops a player if mm -hmm. you're a good dungeon master, right? So if they decide to, to take a left turn and there's somewhere to go, as a dungeon master, you can really fill that out and you can really work that into the story and let them really exp expand on some places. So that's why I thought, or maybe take World of Warcraft off the, off the table. What if you wanted to play in the Guild Wars world? The yeah. Guild Wars 1 and 2 are fantastic worlds. Dark Age of Camelot, fantastic world. Final Fantasy XIV, I've just dove into that this past week. And it's an amazingly intricate storyline that's going on with these three cities and people waking up without memories and you're trying to figure out what's going on and there mm -hmm. might be a cataclysm coming, but you're not sure. <laughs> and that's only the first expansion. They've got like five other expansions that I'm going to get through story-wise later on. And the creature design is very unique and interesting in Final Fantasy XIV. Or jump to another MMO. There's a Conan MMO. There's, you know, the, all these other cool MMOs that are out there. And I just think it'd be fun if we had a, t a tabletop version that would let us dive deeper into those. And I think that's why games that are getting really popular, like Aliens that had come out and um, Tales from the Loop and some of these other games are getting popular because they're on franchises that we love and allows a dungeon master to do a deep dive into them. So I can go into that aliens world and we, we know the stories about 
uh, a freighter crew who finds an alien and it takes over the ship and only one person survives. We find out about space Marines, basically, that go down to a colony that lost contact. And then a couple of the other moons are about a space prison. And then what else? But after that, your dungeon master can do any storyline in that. They can bring in aliens versus predators. They can bring in how did the aliens get to the world Earth and what happens next. So just this idea of being able to dive deeper than the game would let you go, but yet play those familiar things from the game themselves. Uh, it would so be that's interesting. Kind of where I was going. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting uh, because we do. Like, I think a lot of people. Uh, you get excited for those things, those worlds. Yeah. And it's weird that we have this pedestal for, uh, well, if you're going to play real D&D, if you're a real dungeon master, then yeah. you're then you're running a homebrew world that you've written yourself. And, it, like, and I'm going to say this yeah. out loud. Every artist steals. Like every yeah, yeah. author reads. Every based director watches other off. movies. <laughs> like you, you consume stuff and you get inspired by it. So mm -hmm. you might make your own custom world that's really kind of like the Dresden Files. Or you yeah. might make this- Or The uh, Witcher. But, but there's also a, a charm to playing in that world. Um, yeah. And now that I think about it, you know what would be a really great system for Dungeons & Dragons is not, uh, is not Curse of Strahd. Like, it's not Forgotten Realms. It's not this. It's, I want to use this system. And, and instead, I'm going to say, this is the horror system. And this is the fantasy system. And this is the this system. So if yeah. you are like, you know, I want to play Dresden Files. It's like, oh, well, you need the urban magic street system. And then mm -hmm. you could do that. Or like, I want to, <coughs> excuse me, um, rather than having to like look everywhere and be like, well, I made this hybrid vampire the masquerade game in order to play my Dresden Files game. Yeah, yeah. And the cipher yeah. system is that. that I was going to bring that up, like if you wanted to try to do this. But my point in Bardic Inspiration also was to, to say, what game would you, that you played maybe as a computer game that hasn't had a treatment in tabletop that you would say, this is the one I think would be fun if we had a tabletop version of. And I was hoping that would drive like in the comments too. Oh like, yeah. You guys tell us the one that in, like what computer game well, somebody would you said play Zelda. that's really fun? See, there you go, a That'd Zelda role-playing game would be really kind of fun and we haven't seen something like that um not that you couldn't do it like you said bring up those um agnostic systems right and i think cypher's really good at this and i'm not saying it should be a 5e game yeah, yeah. by any means just i'm just a saying playing game yeah, yeah just a role-playing game so what would jordan for his, have i bardically inspired you can you think of a video game world would you do a shovel knight or would you do a you know what would you do even if because it could be a 2d like you said, you, you you love your jumper games right now, your your scrolling games. That still could be a, a tabletop RPG. That yeah, could be really no, fun. Uh, honestly, Metroid. There I like the go. Metroid lore, and I like the games a whole bunch, and I like the yeah. exploration factor of it. Um, I don't know how that would work in like a party sense, but sure. the idea of, I mean, that's a dungeon crawl. Like the idea of exploring old ancient yeah. ruins and uncovering new things, monsters are attacking you. Uh, and you have to like figure out what's going on. Occasionally there's a boss. Boss drops mm -hmm. a key, allows you to get over there. You can now jump higher. So, so yeah, Metroid was, is where I would go. Uh, there are fantasy versions. Like I love Final Fantasy VI a bunch and and four yeah. uh, and five. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Those are good. World of I Doom. like Guild Wars <laughs> 2 was a really good one for me. I would love to see a Guild Wars 2 or even a Guild Wars 1 version because their lore was really super cool i saw somebody put in another one that i was really excited about like a gi joe 
Mm-hmm. I think that'd be kind of a, a fun tabletop game that you could play or a Voltron, you know, or a, I just saw somebody redid a um, Thundercats intro and they upscaled it. So that was all better um, graphics and stuff. I was like, Oh, that'd be fun to play too as a Thundercats kind of thing. So yeah. Saturday morning cartoon role-playing game. <laughs> yeah. Hanna-Barbera, you know, yeah, so. where you could like, teleport to other saturday morning cartoons yeah. that have their own but i also yours was interesting too your bardic inspiration because it, it sounds like it's relevant to something that's about to come out right now uh yeah uh, i'm gonna say pointing out victor says that i should play axiom verge and victor i have played axiom Verge, <laughs> and that is a fantastic game and i loved every second of it so you are correct <laughs> i would not regret it yeah. it's Wonderful. Uh, my, my bardic inspiration comes from uh, uh, a little movie called Bill and Ted Face the Music. Wow, now, that seems uh, like a movie. Now, some of us, uh, Wednesday, for no reason, decided to watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. No reason. <laughs> Just no reason. Uh, no. And then Thursday, I'm like, you know, I'm feeling like I should watch Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So I sat mm-hmm. down and I watched that. Really, both good movies. Really good movies. And then, lo and behold, Friday, I don't know if you heard this, they made another Bill and Ted movie 30 years later. And it is called Bill and Ted Face the Music. And it's out now on streaming. Uh, This was a movie that was supposed to be released in theaters, but they decided to just do it on streaming. We got it. Uh, We watched it last night because I really was excited for this movie. Um, And it was so much fun. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I I really enjoyed it, and I think you guys should watch it. Uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, they are time hopping um, and meeting future versions of themselves and uh, looking for something uh, that they think their future versions will have. And it got me thinking of like, how could you use that in a dungeon, in a, in a D&D setting where if your players are time hopping, uh, I think a lot of times, myself included, you want to go back in time <clears throat> and maybe undo the things that they did. Mm-hmm. So, so what if like they made a mistake and they want to go back in time and fix it? Uh, well, now you're like changing the future and, and all that. And there's a lot, a lot of problems with that. But if they go forward in time, then you could ha- you get to play their characters in any manner they want. So it's like, oh, no, right. like, well, you know, I haven't been the same since taking that arrow to the knee. And you can you can mm-hmm. play all of these things. So I like the idea of your players jumping forward in time, seeing who they are going to become, whether that's good or bad, and then going back and maybe that changes their perspective. So this could be a simple scrying device. Maybe they have a device that once they attune to it, they can only see themselves 10 years in the future, but they can Mm -hmm. like, you know, once a day, they can see themselves 10 10 years in the future or something. So uh, I don't know, it was really fun. I would recommend Bill and Ted Face the Music. That was one of the, the small little things about it is that they were seeing their future selves. And what fun for those actors to play all these different versions of Bill and Ted in the future. It was really cool. So it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so that is my bardic inspiration. It's not as, it's, it's no, just it's simple. Really good. I like it's it. simple. Because I like it. Uh, in Umbrella Academy, without trying to um, ruin anything, there's a character that can jump time. Mm-hmm. And we, me and my wife were watching that one. And there was a part in it where the young version jumps to where a, a spot where he's older and they're looking at each other. And I'm thinking, I, I kind of looked at my wife and I said, I would always trust and believe any version of me that showed up in my living room without even a flinch. Like if future Lucian showed up from 20 years from now and said, Lucian, I need to tell you something. I'd be like, yeah, I'm with you, buddy. What are we doing? What's going on? It wouldn't even be a pause for me because I'm going to trust myself, right? You're never not going to trust yourself. I just thought that was really funny because usually those shows and the movies make it seem like 
oh, they're not sure. You have to convince them or I don't believe you. But I'm just like, no, if it just happens, I'm going to be like, yeah, okay, dude, what are we doing? What do we got to fix, man? Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, you're too trusting of yourself, man. What I am. What if you're out to get yourself? <laughs> uh, that reminds me of, uh, I think it was 2006. It was just when the Wii was coming out. South Park did a two, two episodes where um, they were playing. Uh, sorry, Cartman's looking for a Wii. South Park episode, mm -hmm. but he has to wait three weeks for it to come out. So he decides to freeze himself. And the whole joke is that he wakes up 500 years in the future and there are talking otters and all this other stuff. And so he's like, <laughs> how do I get back to the past where there is a Wii? Cause I can't find any Wii's here. And yeah. he gets a hold of a, um, he gets a hold of a, a telephone called like time prank calls and he can prank call people in the past. So he calls himself to tell himself not to freeze himself, but they 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 are like yelling at each other and he's like, listen, yeah. just don't do this. <clears throat> and Cartman in the past is like, you sound like a jerk, hangs up the phone. And it's really yeah. funny because they, and then Cartman in the future is just like, that guy's a, that guy's a dick. Like, why doesn't he, he, he why isn't he listening yeah. to me? And it's cause their personality is just awful and they would not be friends with yeah. each other. And so that makes me think of like funny That's things like that. So. Think of that. Yeah, yeah. So your inspiration inspired me to think of that, which was awesome. That's cool. So you uh, guys tell us your inspiration. Yeah, tell, tell us your game you would love to turn into a tabletop or what kind of cool time traveling Bill and Ted. Tell us if you've watched the Bill and Ted, if you liked it or yeah, not. Yeah, if you liked it. Cool. I liked it a lot. I love Keanu. Fun. So, you know. Um, oh, that. man. The uh, uh, the the uh, Keanu's uh, daughter or Ted's daughter um, was really good. I, she hasn't been in a lot of movies and she kind of blew me away. Uh, I want to look up her name. Uh, Bill and Ted face the music because I want to remember who she is and talk about how cool actress, she is. Right? And her name is Bridget, Bridget Lundy right. Payne. Uh, and she played Billy and she was really good. Uh, super, super uh, talented and had that Tedism down really good. So she was a fun, she was fun to watch. Uh, everyone in the movie is really good. We're, we're not a movie podcast and we have to go because we're at time. We should be. Um, we should be. <laughs> we should have the Saturday and morning, Saturday podcast. evening movie cast that, or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for watching. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out, liking, subscribing, writing iTunes reviews and all that stuff. We really appreciate it. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about more Dungeons and Dragons as well as our personal games that we are playing. Um, get the latest Rod of Seven Parts gossip and... Uh, uh, the Dungeon, Dungeon of the, the Mad, Mad Mage. Mage gossip that is going on. Level two so. this week. Level oh, two. Level went two. downstairs. Really exciting stuff. Uh, thank you so much. We're glad that you are here. Uh, and we will see you. Oh, I will do a game prep tomorrow. Pending my baby sleeping. So yes, Victor. I will be doing a game prep uh, tomorrow mm -hmm. on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Jordan with a PH in the middle. Um, so join me there at 9 a.m. Pacific uh, for uh, Rod of Seven Parts game prep. Um, and yes, we will see you guys next week. So take care, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.